Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. And welcome to Sawbones, Marital Tour of Misguided Medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Yes, yes, we all know. We have something more important to discuss. My brother, not three minutes ago. <laughs> Let me take you back. We were right there. Wait. We saw the whole thing We from saw right the there. whole thing. Let me back up. Today, my family went to the Ruby Sliver Cafe. I did not. <laughs> I went and took my daughter, my baby, back for a nap because I'm a hero. I ate a lamp-heated sandwich <laughs> that I bought at a store. That's not important. I come downstairs and I ask, we're going to the aquarium. I don't want to, but we have to because we go to the aquarium every time. <laughs> we go we anywhere. Have... Not because it's not great. He was just kind of tired. We go to the aquarium every time because we have so many children, and they delight in the fish. <laughs> and I'm there, and I think, I don't want to do this, but I will. And who is missing? My bearded brother. I ask, where is he? And friends, I'm here to tell you that despite what he just said, he was upstairs taking a nap alone in a bed for two hours. So... <laughs> if, you, if you don't listen to Schmanners, he said at the end of... Or they haven't published that one. That he said to Schmanners <laughs> that he, it's not important. Anyway, I'm just... He lied to you, and I'm so sorry <laughs> to begin our evening that way, but my brother lied to you. We're just really jealous, because we haven't slept like that. Since... Uh, 24... 13? Something like that. 13? Uh, something like that. Anyway, that's not why we're here, folks. We're here to talk about... <laughs> not just a dunk on traps. Not just a dunk on traps, although, you know what? I could do 27 minutes of material dunking on Travis. But no, we have something better to talk about. Sydney, what no, is it? Because we, uh, we have gotten to go a lot of fun places since we've been here. And I had a specific destination in mind when I found out we were coming to New Orleans. There was a certain place that I really wanted to go, and that was the Pharmacy Museum. <laughs> I was really excited to get to see it in person. I'd checked it out online and I'd heard about it. Some of our listeners had emailed me saying like, you'd love this place, you should check it out. And so I got to go and I wanna talk about it. 
That sounded like a story that had a twist, but there was no twist. No, we just went. We went to it. We just, we went to it. <laughs> and now we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Uh, the, the really cool thing, the history behind the Pharmacy Museum, is that New Orleans is home to the first licensed pharmacist in the United States of America. The very first one to actually like be licensed to be a pharmacist and do what he was doing is from right here, which is really cool because before that, much like being a physician, being a pharmacist in the US in the early 1800s, 1700s, was just like, you just said you were. <laughs> hey, I've got some pills. <laughs> <laughs> that I, don't I made these. <laughs> I Do made you want these. them? <laughs> I've got pills. Do you want them for money? <laughs> you you may have certainly studied. Certainly, there were there was a, a wide variety of training backgrounds. There were some that actually studied and and learned about different medicines of the day. Some of those were actual medicines. Many were not. Some were cocaine. <laughs> well, a lot a lot were cocaine. <laughs> like half. <laughs> Uh, and you probably did some apprenticeship, but it was really easy. And did you say ap apprenticeship? Apprenticeship. Thank you. Okay. I thought we had to introduce cursing for the first time on <laughs> Sawbones. I didn't know why you got so blue. No. <laughs> some apprentice. Dookie. Dookie. <laughs> some apprentice dookie. <laughs> you <laughs> Sorry, apprentice dookie. <laughs> Funny. It's a funny. It's a funny word. Okay. <laughs> you may have just been from a family of apothecaries, and you were just like, "Well, I'm, I'm part of the family business. I do this now. I make pills, and I give them to people, and I tell people what they should take as medicine because that was part of the job of a pharmacist." In 1804, Louisiana became the first state to pass a law that said, you know what, we should probably try to standardize this. We should, we should regulate it and say, like, there is something, there is a bar that you have to meet to be a pharmacist. And in the state, it was a three-hour exam that was administered by pharmacists and physicians. So you had to answer a series of questions. And if you passed it, then you could be a licensed pharmacist. So it was actually, it's funny, that was passed in 1804. It would be a while before anybody actually took and passed the exam. <laughs> you think they had a bit where they're like, we made this too hard. <laughs> well, I imagine for a while nobody bothered. Yeah. Because it was still like, if you had your store and people came to it and you were like, I'm unlicensed, but look at all my opium pills. In fact, the first person to get licensed kind of ruined it for everybody else, right? <laughs> if all of us are unlicensed then we're all pharmacists. There we go. <laughs> you ever thought about that? That's you ever deep. Think? Ooh, man, <laughs> Maybe we're deep, all pharmacists. Hmm. We're not. <laughs> we're not. Uh, so Louis de Filo Jr. is who we're going to talk about. He was born in France in 1788. Uh, his, uh, he was the son of Jean de Filo and Jean-Marie Bonnet, and they moved the whole family to New Orleans around 1800. And he came from a family of pharmacists as well. His brother was a pharmacist and his dad was a pharmacist. But he was the first one in 1816 after he went to the College of Pharmacy back in France. He came back over and sat for the exam, and in 1816 he became the first one to pass an exam and say, I am actually a pharmacist. So as of 1816, the U.S. had their first actual licensed pharmacist. Um, he started a business at first with his brother, and then he eventually opened his pharmacy, which is what is now the Pharmacy Museum that you can still go visit 
if you'd like to. I would highly recommend it if you haven't been there. If you live here and you haven't been here, what are you doing? Go there. Yeah. It's <laughs> Go like th- check it out. It's like $3. <laughs> no, it was 5 but... 6 It might have been 6 I don't know. No, it was 5 It was less than 7 We can all agree on five. that. <laughs> it was 5 and it was well worth it. And our kids were free. You can't beat that. Why are we doing an ad? <laughs> they, I, actually, I actually looked we it up We got a group on going if you want to get there for $4.50. I, well, I looked it up ahead of time because we've got we've got little kids, and I was like, "This is cool for kids, right?" And they're they're basically like, "You can you we welcome children. You're totally allowed to bring your kids. It may freak them out, so if that bothers you, don't." And I was like, "Wow." Also, we have <laughs> one million small glass bottles. They're not the kind of kids that break small glass things, right? Because those we're not crazy about. So if you got the kind that don't love to smash small things, I spent a lot of time in the patio. <laughs> It's like, don't touch anything, anything. Uh, so at this point in history, as I kind of alluded to, a pharmacist was more than, than what you think of as like the person who you go to and they can, you know, administer the, like if you think of a commercial pharmacist, somebody who you would go to a pharmacy and, and get your medicine from, and they can kind of like advise you on it, tell you some of the side effects, what to take and not to do and that kind of thing. A pharmacist at the time would also be diagnosing and maybe even treating illness in a way that we don't traditionally think of pharmacists as of doing. And so you would go to his pharmacy and tell him like, I got these symptoms, I don't know what's going on. And you wouldn't have necessarily been to a physician or anything. And he would tell you, hey, you should take this or that. Um, he was also making the medicines, which most of the time is not done, like, like at Walmart. <laughs> I don't, they're not like making the pills back there. I don't, I don't think. <laughs> don't look at me. Uh, <laughs> I'm an unlicensed pharmacist. <laughs> and this was a really exciting time. When he opened his pharmacy, this was a really exciting time in history to be running a pharmacy because uh, medicine was changing in that we had just kind of started to understand the germ theory of disease, that, that we passed germs from person to person and that was responsible for a lot of illness. It wasn't necessarily like clouds of bad air. So <laughs> wasn't necessarily clouds of bad air, you say. Which was still, it was still a huge battle between doctors at the moment. The miasma theory, is it just that like disease happens because things smell bad and then you get sick? Yes. <laughs> or, or, was, or is it because there are germs? And so this was a really exciting time to be practicing medicine, which a pharmacist would have been doing, essentially practicing medicine. Um, anesthesia was a new thing. New Orleans was the fastest growing city in the U.S. at this point, so there were tons of people coming in. Yeah. This was over 100 years ago, guys. Calm down. <laughs> and along with all these people... Uh, also came yellow fever, which is not as... <laughs> what? Why are you excited about that? <laughs> What's wrong with you? You act like you were watching a Mighty Ducks remake and Emilio Estevez just showed up. It's him! Coach Bombay, he's in it! He wasn't on the press tour or anything, I can't believe it! They had they hide this! Love that fool! Coach Bobby, quack, quack, quack! <laughs> Love that guy. So, yellow fever. <laughs> which. No! <laughs> no! Stop it! Fan favorite, yellow fever. We've broken you, people! 
<laughs> I'm not gonna say anything as good as the as yellow fever. Apparently, yeah, apparently. Yeah, that's it. Just say that. There we go. <laughs> Finally, something got a louder cheer than Sydney, and it's yellow fever. There, so. It would cause periodic epidemics in the city, and people would get really sick, and sometimes they died. <laughs> Are we oh, still no, cheering? There's a twist. All right, let's lower the rowdiness a little bit, because there's somebody in We're here with yellow excited. fever that's like single tier, like I can't believe this. There were a lot of names for yellow fever. My favorite, that I was gonna mention them all, but I just wanted to mention my favorite was the saffron scourge. <laughs> that was my favorite of them. But it spread by mosquitoes and it would cause periodic epidemics and everybody was trying to figure out what should we do about it. Um, Dufilo is interesting in that he was one of the people recommending quinine, which is good for malaria, is not necessarily, but this was a more science-based approach than we had seen so far. Like, you have a fever, this is good for other fevers. That was closer. Especially when you consider that a lot of the other treatments that people were trying for yellow fever at the time were, let's shoot some cannons off. Cool. The, the city tried that a lot. Uh, burn barrels of tar. What was um, the rationale there? That it would, it would, uh, the bad air would go away. The stinky the, tar air tar would push air. out the yellow fever air. Which is similar to like the cannons thing. I, I also, maybe they're loud. <laughs> they should away. fire the cannons into the tar and get this party started. I liked uh, a lot of the treatments would depend on like just what doctor or pharmacist you happen to talk to. And so some of them were like, what you need is you need bloodletting, so I'm going to cut you and bleed you or put some leeches on you. I'm going to give you mercury. This is going to be terrible, but I'm going to save your life. And then a different doctor might say, you need some champagne and oysters. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> it's fine. I think the easiest was just like, I don't know, go lay in bed and pray a lot. Fingers crossed. We still try that one. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because like they compared all these different methods because a lot of them too would depend on like where some of the doctors immigrated from. Like German doctors did a certain thing and French doctors did a certain thing and they compared like who did the best and it was, I mean, nothing really mad. Nobody was doing anything that helped. <laughs> so everybody came out the same. Everybody's, everybody's odds were pretty much equal. <laughs> so I would go with the champagne and oyster one if it were me. Yeah, I mean, were, all things being were equal. It, were it I. So in the day, as I mentioned, pharmacists were making their own meds. They would mix them from plants or minerals or even insects, whatever. They would make their pills. They would make injectable ingredients and things that you could, and then give you the hypodermic needles, stuff that you could inject. They had the, um, if you go to the museum, you'll see these, the big bottles that are filled with like multicolored fluids and liquids and things, and they were called snow globes. Not like we think about them, not like snow globes. Yeah, I know they weren't yeah. literal snow globes. No. <laughs> but they would like be used to like attract people in because you'd look and go, wow, look at that giant bottle full of multicolored medicine. <laughs> I gotta give me some of that. <laughs> I so like there that. is a Tide Pods of their day, right? <laughs> More or so less. So colorful. You know what? I would love some medicine. Hey, honey, I love let's that, stop in. <laughs> I love that humans work that way. That's so colorful. <laughs> I got to go in and get some medicine from that guy. 
This is how barber poles work, right? Man, that pole is colorful as heck. These were got to get some blood out of me. These were reminiscent of barber poles. This was the idea. It was the same awesome. actual, actually, the same principle of a barber pole. It was like here's a multicolored thing in the window to go. Oh, Humans look. are rad. <laughs> I like the colors. I'll get some medicine. Uh, so DeFilo himself was not content to, to just operate his pharmacy and take care of people that way. He also joined the Howard Association, which was sort of, if you think of like a precursor to what the Red Cross is, same kind of idea. It was an association of like doctors and nurses and social workers and then just good people who got together and would like go take care of people in their home and spent, he spent like a lot of time volunteering his time and taking care of people. Um, it, so he's a really good guy, and he donated a lot of money back and, and really, like, used his position as the first licensed pharmacist in the U.S. to, to do a lot of good for the community. Um, if, you, if you hear about the pharmacy, as I was reading about it and, like, learning about the history, you're always going to, like, at the end, they want to tack on, like, and also it's haunted. That's what you gotta think about it, though. Run the, run the sass, folks. That's a lot of old-timey medical stuff. <laughs> There's gonna be some ghosts in there. I mean, ghosts are gonna get in there. I didn't like to dwell on that because it's supposedly haunted by the guy that he sold it to. So not uh, DeFilo or his family, because he actually, there's, the pharmacy was downstairs and then his fa he, him and his family lived in the apartment upstairs. It's actually haunted by the guy who he sold it to, who was a pharmacist and kind of- It's not actually haunted. No, I'm not saying it's haunted. I'm saying this is the... Supposedly haunted. Supposed, allegedly we haunted. Weird twist for sawbones. Very I'm, hard on fake medicine. Very easy on ghosts. <laughs> I'm still just a doctor. I have absolutely no expertise in that arena. I'm not saying it's haunted. Not saying it's not. No, I'm just saying that the story goes that, that Dupas, who bought it from Dufilo, actually is the one who haunts the place now and he was into some shady business but I'm not going to dwell on the ghosts I want to I want to focus on what the museum is and some of the neat stuff because we got to go there yes and if you haven't been you really should check it out like I said it's it's two floors and the bottom was where he actually operated and like sold all of the medicines and you can see all that stuff and then the top floor which also has a bunch of the medicines and stuff from the day was originally where they lived it's very, it's like incredibly, I don't think I've ever seen a museum like this that is so dense with stuff. Like mm -hmm. literally every inch of this place is like, I kept calling Sydney over like, Sid, 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 you gotta see, they gotta, look at this wild, you know, breast bump or what have you. <laughs> it's crazy, you gotta see it. It was great, we brought our kids and uh, Charlie walked over to a picture and went, is that a gummy worm? And I said, no, that's a leech. And she said, well, what's that? And I was like, not candy. Yeah. <laughs> and then she was done, I think. Yeah, then point. she like, went she out. Was, she was done. They have a she fountain said, can I go the, outside? Can I go outside? If it's not gummy warm, I'm actually going to go play in that fountain. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what mommy's into, but I'm not into it. <laughs> they have a, there's a wonderful courtyard, which would have been used at the time, most likely, to grow uh, herbs and things for the medicines that, that Dufila was making inside. So that whole courtyard would have been like a garden to, and that would have been pretty typical for a pharmacy of the era to have your own little herb garden to grow all the medicines that you were going to sell. Um, some of my favorite things. So first of all, there's a letter from a druggist of the era, like announcing it was a another druggist 
than Defilo, but just kind of to give you a flavor of what would have happened when a new pharmacy opened, announcing to the public, like, I'm opening a pharmacy, and at my pharmacy, I will be selling uh, drugs, chemicals, patent medicines, toilet articles, stationery, cigars, and soda water. <laughs> so everything. <clears throat> His name was Cedric Vesuvius Sinclair. CVS. Thank you. <laughs> it's not a big deal. That's where it's that not, joke was going. I hope you all like that one because it's not in the recorded version of the podcast. <laughs> that one ain't gonna make the MP3. <laughs> it probably did. It, if you're hearing me say that, that wasn't an <laughs> error. I liked it, <laughs> and I and I edit the show, so now it's in there. <laughs> His name was Bill Walgreens, so I'll just cut that in. <laughs> That's the magic of editing, folks. So it, His initials the, are CVS. <laughs> you can keep saying it, but it's not landing it's any a, better. It's a <laughs> creeper. It creeps up on <laughs> You're going to be driving home like, CVS, CVS. okay. <laughs> Like the pharmacy, nice. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right, summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat, delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes, you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I mean, filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or clean up. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that... no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to... Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as... The palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the 
easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So what's neat is that it's it's really cool to go there and see uh, medicine of the day was a mixture. Because as I said, this was like a crossroads where there were people trying to like push for scientific basis of medicine, like of diagnosis and treatment and what are we doing and why are we doing it? And let's all do the same thing. Let's not just keep giving, you know, opium because it makes our patients feel good. Let's try to do science. And at the same time, it was still a business and people were still trying to make money and get people to come back. And so they're also selling things that don't work, but are very popular at the time. So if you go, you'll find this whole mixture of like medicines and, and like big, like I said, like the big jars with, with different liquids in them. You'll see like the opium and cocaine and marijuana and tobacco and all those things. There's a soda fountain because it was very common. Soda at the time was used as like a medicinal beverage, various you know, sodas. So there's a soda fountain where you can go get medicine. Um, but you'll also find things like like voodoo charms and grigri kind of things, like amulets to protect you that were also sold in that same pharmacy alongside like some sort of ampule of medicine or hypodermic syringe full of medicine. And so it was a really neat time. There's also all kinds of, of equipment you can see, like tools of the era that would have been used, like a, a trephination drill, awesome. you know, to drill a hole in your head, which we tell yeah. you not to do. <laughs> But if you ever want to do it, now you know where you can pick one up. There is no one there. They won't let you use it. I, a lot of the things I, I had heard of before as I was wandering through the museum, but one thing that I found that I thought was really interesting I'd never heard of, they have a collection of pills that are coated in gold or silver. And I was aware, we've talked about on the show before, that both gold and silver have been used as medicine in various forms for different things through the ages. But that's not what these pills are for. This is for the aesthetic quality <laughs> of coating your pills in gold or silver. So they were specifically aimed at, like, the wealthy clientele <laughs> to say, like, I know those aspirin look good, but would you like them in gold? <laughs> So you could upcharge rich people by coating their medicine in gold or silver, and they would be more likely to take them. The thing about it is that the gold, or, gold and silver, I mean, they're not doing anything. You're not digesting it. You're, you're not breaking it down. So there's a chance that these pills are not actually being absorbed in any way. <laughs> Great. So whatever you coated in gold or silver, I mean, let's be honest, it probably didn't work anyway, just right, based on it was the time. Dust and cocaine. <laughs> but even that, you probably weren't absorbing because it was coated in the gold and silver. I don't know. I guess you would see that though when it came hey, out. Hey, is that that pill? The other end. What the heck? <laughs> and it would be a very impressive bowel movement the next day. <laughs> a very impressive bowel movement. <laughs> I hope that was on the bottle. <laughs> when you don't want to get better, but do want a very impressive bowel movement, 
preach for him. We, uh, we've done a show before. We've talked a lot on the show about the concept of hysteria, which was this, I mean, it was a fake disease that often women were labeled with because they weren't behaving in a way that society wanted them to behave at that time in history. Uh, but I specifically, I was interested on a section I saw about hysteria of the nose and throat, because I've never heard of it as like hysteria of a body part. It's usually like that person is hysterical. Yeah. So give them opium. That's usually what you do. Just give them opium. Uh, but this was specifically aimed at hysteria of the nose and throat. And it was this whole description from a doctor from the 1800s saying, now sometimes, and again, it was aimed at a woman, Sometimes a woman will say she's lost her sense of smell, and I don't believe her. So <laughs> I think it's hysteria of the nose. <laughs> her nose is hysterical. And what he proposes Now wait, is... before Sydney finishes, if you're a dude in the room, take my advice. Remain perfectly still <laughs> until this section is completed. Make no movements or facial expressions or say anything. Remain perfectly still. All right, Sydney, continue. What he goes on to propose is that it would go away on its own, but what he would do is a fake sort of operation to make her think he did something, and then it will definitely go away because you've tricked her. That's outrageous. <laughs> Uh, another display that I found was also very popular on the internet as I was researching this, the museum before I actually got to see it in person, and I, I did get to see it in person, are Dr. Young's self-retaining rectal dilators. I, I, I miss those. They're exactly what you think they are. <laughs> but I like... They're, they're, I mean, they're butt, they're butt plugs. I'm, they they look like butt plugs. They're I butt mean, plugs, they're, folks. They're old, old timey butt a plugs. A butt plug by any other name <laughs> would smell. We no, shan't. no, no. We shan't. We shan't. Uh, I liked though. Not what bad they... language, but challenging ideas. <laughs> Sawbones. <laughs> that's, that's a good description. That's probably somewhere in our iTunes reviews. <laughs> I would uh, prefer they curse. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I would rather they curse. <laughs> but I like specifically, so these rectal dilators, I looked like, what were these for exactly? And they, on, the, on the display, it says they are for the permanent cure of piles, that would have been hemorrhoids, constipation, nervousness, dyspepsia, sick headache, neuralgia, rheumatism, insomnia, asthma, indigestion, eczema, all disease caused by sluggish circulation, malnutrition, defective elimination, and the use of cathartic drugs. <laughs> all of that can be solved. <laughs> hey, beloveds, if you want a cure-all, try honey, huh? Maybe honey would be better than that. <laughs> Uh, I did, I appreciated there was a section on homeopathy. Um, we talk a lot about homeopathic cures on sawbones because they don't... You forgot to do the air quotes. They don't work. Yeah. Um, 
in case you're not familiar, homeopathy is when you take something and you put it in some water, and then you take a drop of that and put it in some water, and you take a drop of that and put it in some water, and you take a drop of that and put it in some water, and, and eventually you sell it at Walmart for eight dollars. <laughs> you have a bottle of water, yeah, but it has other words on it, and then you sell it to people. Um, so it doesn't work, but there is a there's this plaque kind of commemorating homeopathy in New Orleans, and the first homeopathic doctor was a Dr. Taft who came in uh, 1853 and made a ton of money selling homeopathic things, treatments, cures, whatever word you want to use, homeopathic things for a year and then died. <laughs> <laughs> but in that year, he made a ton of money. <laughs> and what did, what did he die of? It was during the yellow fever epidemic, so I'm... <laughs> Fan favorite, yellow fever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> homeopathy. <laughs> the, my favorite part is that there's this whole, there's this whole, there's the story of homeopathy, and then they get into the, there was another doctor who started proposing dosimetric granules, which were like very tiny little amounts of plants, but he was like, it's better than homeopathy because there's actually plant material in this tiny granule that I'm going to give you. It's still very small. There's no way it does anything, but it's not water, so it's better. And he described homeopathy. This was my favorite description ever of homeopathy. It is throwing a milligram of a substance somewhere in the Seine at the place where the, rivers enter, where the river enters Paris and drinking a few drops of that same water where it comes out. <laughs> That's homeopathy. <laughs> or bottling that and selling it at Walmart. Again, it's right there. Uh, in addition, some other, what I like to think of as fun things, and then as I was listing my fun things from the museum that I would recommend, I thought I have, this, I'm strange. Uh, it, <laughs> there's also like some great metal catheters, if you want to see of a time when we would catheterize your bladder with a metal <laughs> tube. You can see those. There's a giant leeches jar. I don't think there are leeches in it now. There aren't. I looked. But I did. You did? I did. That's right before I left to the, go to the courtyard. Remember when you excused me to the patio? <laughs> you told the kids to take me out to the patio? There's, there's Hadical. Oh, we were stoked to see Hadical. That whole plaque about Cousin Dudley LeBlanc. I was so stoked to see ha real Hadical. One of our favorite patent medicines. One of our favorite patent medicine. Everybody's got their favorite patent medicine, and ours, one of ours has had a call. Along with Lydia Pinkham's vegetable compound for female weakness. That's like our you number two. <laughs> uh, there should be an all-girl punk band called Lydia Pinkham's Vegetable Compound for Female Weakness. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then my other favorite, there was a, a breast pump from 1870. I just personally appreciated this. As someone who has used a breast pump many, many times in my life, this breast pump was essentially, it was, I mean, it's not, it's not painful. It was like a, like almost like a syringe pump with this very small collecting thing at the end and you would just pump, <laughs> sort of like a trombone kind of a <laughs> to use the suction to get very small amounts of breast milk that could possibly. It was possibly... so small that I assume you had your baby there, like, go ahead, drink up, pal. <laughs> All right. Clean it, clean it out. Uh, but if you haven't checked it out, you should, you should really go check out the Pharmacy Museum. You can get information, pharmacymuseum.org. You can get information about their times and, and prices and all that kind of stuff. But I would really recommend it because it was, it was amazing to see all this stuff. It's a wonderful collection. It's so. right here in New Orleans. So. Check it out. Good job, New Orleans. 
And uh, good job for having us here. We've had such a good time. You have no idea. It's been such a blast. And you all have been so fun, too. So thank you to the, uh, the Orpheum Theater for having us. And thank you to Paul. And uh, thank you to the taxpayers for the use of our song Medicines as the intro and outro of our program. And thank and you to Yellow Fever for getting the biggest cheer of the night. <laughs> anyway, that's going to do it for us. Until next time, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.